Hey everyone and welcome back. I am your host, Francesca Amante, the founder of Amante Podcast, Amante Real Estate, and Amante Apparel. So excited to have you back on here with another special guest. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Amante podcast. I am your host, Francesca Amante, and I'm very excited to be on here with another special guest today. This guest is someone who I uh, value very much in my personal and professional life. Um, He is a valued coach in my life, uh, mentor, and just someone I really value as a human being himself and for all of the talents and uh, amazing things that he does day to day. So I'm very excited to share with you that we have the guest Trevor O'Rourke with us today. So without further ado, I welcome him to the stage. Thanks very much for having me. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. I know we've spent a lot of time uh, working together on your business and some of your personal aspirations. And seeing them unfold, especially recently, has been very exciting. Thank you so much, Trevor. It's honestly an honor to have you on this podcast today. And yeah, I know how busy you are. So the fact that you're giving us any time at all is uh, quite a compliment. So thank you. Right back at you. I know how busy you are. <laughs> no, it's good. Thank you, Trevor. So to get started on this, I would love for you just to share a little bit about you, Trevor, what you do, what your day-to-day looks like, and what's brought you to where you are today, because there's just so much there. So the floor is yours. I will try to fit this into a proverbial nutshell, <laughs> but when I go way back to before my career in sales and leadership, I did fancy myself as a bit of an artist. I once saw myself as being in, uh, more into graphic design and advertising, and I, I did go to design school for a while, and that was you know just after high school. And during my younger years, you could always catch me sketching in my sketch pad and drawing and dreaming up the, the craziest little bits of my imagination. So it was interesting because I think there was something that happened in design school where I really started to come to terms with the idea of someone telling me what to create Mm -hmm. and then paying for it. It almost started the journey of turning me off of it. And coincidentally, during that time, I was, you know, to pay for tuition. I was just in uh, a leadership role. And I think a few mentors told me, you know, you're kind of good at this. People seem to want to follow your direction. Um, your communication, and at first, of course, I didn't believe it, and I thought, you're just being nice, you're being too kind. But I went with it, and I started just, uh, I would say, a lifelong obsession with coaching and leadership, and that, um, 20 years later, spawned into uh, running Western Canada for Loblaws currently. Uh, I'm on the board of directors for TEDx. I help people, aspiring speakers that want to come up with and uh, communicate their idea to the audience at the next TED event. I've been doing that for about five years. And I run a company called Speak Shop on the side for now. We'll call it kind of a side hustle um, where I do uh, business and communication coaching. And um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of passion goes into that, a lot of creativity. And that's where I really, I feel like the artist comes back out again, helping Mm -hmm. people just design their, their future and, deconstruct you know what it is what what were the roadblocks or as i like to say from one of my favorite books the obstacle is the way mm-hmm. just finding those um uh those things that are getting in the way of their their true passion and their vision and their dreams ahead amazing and i love it phenomenal trevor thank you for sharing that 
there's so much there to unpack. There's a lot of things that I mean, I've known you for a while now, but I had no idea that you used to be in graphic design or that you had a sketchbook when you were younger. There's so much that that's phenomenal and so neat. Yeah, I still, um, I'm trying to reawaken that artist. <laughs> I, I mean, I still sketch once in a while. I find myself doodling at a conference or a seminar when I really should be listening. Hopefully people don't do that at mine. Um, <laughs> but you know, I still do it. I, you know, a couple of years ago, I did a mural for a friend of mine, Spider-Man on the wall and like, Hey, I still got it. So amazing! it's like riding a, it's like riding a bike. I don't think it ever really truly goes away. No, I think it just evolves more and more over the years. So I'm so glad to hear that you haven't given that up because I think that's such a gift and a passion. So it's amazing to see how that comes out. Uh, now looking at all of our sessions, it's, it's amazing how you, that definitely comes out through that, you know, you're still an artist in, in a different capacity. Yeah, thank you. I think that is part of the, the process is um, a visual artist tends to see the bigger picture, like figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. And when someone's speaking about a strategy or things they've considered or roads they want to travel on in their executive journey or their business, it's it almost makes it a bit, I wouldn't say easier, but interesting, more interesting to to help people come up with that strategy you can see roads untraveled and you can kind of see left turns and right turns uh, see around corners as they say so I, I really do think that's where the artist comes out amazing trevor i have a couple other um questions to ask you before we kind of get into it just so the audience can get to know you a little bit more um so first off foremost like where were you born and uh kind of the general area that you're living in now you don't have to be obviously very specific but <laughs> what province you're in for our uh out of out-of-province listeners? No problem. Yeah, no, I was born in um, Scotland in a little town called Kilwinning. Of Irish descent, we were the first generation of um, immigration over to Scotland and then over to Canada. I think when I was about three, my parents and many other Scottish folks during a depression in Scotland decided that the promised land was Vancouver. Hmm. So we've been here ever since, and I've traveled all over Alberta and D.C., and most of Western Canada since and lived in many cities across DC and Alberta, but I, I found myself back in the Vancouver area recently. Amazing, Trevor. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then next question I have for you, and also too, I have to just to quickly note, um, I had no idea that you were born in Scotland, so how neat. Uh, so much that I'm learning about you through this that I don't normally get to know. Um, I can still, I can <laughs> technically still vote in the UK, and I can't vote in Canada. That's see, there wow. now I'm going to admit one of my weaknesses: procrastination. I, I have not become a Canadian citizen yet. I'm a permanent resident. No way! Oh yeah. my goodness! Well, pretty soon you'll get to have to get your dual. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, next. Agree more. <laughs> next a question I had for you was: What is your favorite quote, and why? Another little audience get to know question. Oh, there's just so many. Um, uh, there, there's a debate over who actually said this, but I'm going to go with Henry Ford, and it's whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Hmm. That's definitely one of my favorites. I love that. I, I like really any quote that suggests that um, you have the power to control what's around you. Uh, another one would be, are you going to happen to the day or is the day going to happen to you? Mm. It's anything that, that, that really speaks to that self-accountability. And you know what? I, I got this and I, I am going to run today. It's not going to control me. So true, Trevor. That's powerful. So simple, but powerful. 
Um, my next question is what was your best and worst business advice ever given to you? And this can be dating back to a long time ago or as of recently. Best and worst business advice. That's a good question. I'm going to start with the best or at least one of the best. I would say another executive coach that I've worked with for and have honestly become just lifelong friends with at this point. Um, one of the things that I really enjoy that he does with his clients is he does what's called a chemistry session. Hmm. And when I think chemistry right away, I think like dating, like do we got chemistry or not? And I thought, well, why wouldn't that fit in a coaching client relationship? You want to feel like if we are going to enter into this, like probably long-term committed relationship of building and development, there needs to be solid chemistry there. Otherwise, very quickly, no matter what advice is given, it's not quite going to fit and, or no matter how uh, questions are answered, they may not be to the truest extent they could be because of the lack thereof. So I've always liked that. And I, you know, when starting a client uh, relationship, I like to do the same thing. So I've adopted that. And as far as worst advice, um, it's a tough one. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's the worst. I might've just taken it too far. I did a lot of workshops for free just to, uh, just to kind of get my name out there. So I wouldn't say it's bad. You just have to know when to limit that and when to say, okay, that's enough. And I, it's, it's okay to take money for services that you have a ton of experience in. And, you know, if I've invested years of my life reading about certain topics and, um, you know, honing certain expertise and crafting it, it is okay to ask for money for it. True. I think that taps into the worthiness piece, right? Yeah which I know that you obviously are in now, but I think any, any new founder or startup or anything like that or CEO, I think that that's always, I think for most, a, a piece that comes into play is just stepping into that. It's okay to charge and that's what we're here to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I, uh, I enjoy volunteering for TEDx every year and I think volunteering is a different thing. It's just yes. when you're giving freely, you know, your time to a cause you find is important to you. Like like uh, recently, Amante Talks, like, the cause was wonderful and just, the, 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 I, I mean, I can only imagine the payoff and the passion you must have felt inside knowing how much you helped those children. Absolutely. There's nothing like it, Trevor. I'm still on a high from that event. Just so thankful that it was even able to happen. I'm going to step into that since you brought it up, Trevor, um, just for the audience. I feel so grateful Trevor actually and his partner were able to come up from um, the coast area and actually were able to attend the event. Um, that was really, really special to see and meant a lot for myself as the host. And uh, just for the simple fact that I've been speaking about this to Trevor from day one back, oh my gosh, dating to, I don't know if it was in May or June when it really started becoming a conversation. So the fact that the event actually happened and just from all the little details to that final, you know, piece all coming together, it was really great for to see you in the audience, Trevor. So thank you for that. I was more than happy to be there. It was an honor. And um, I was just beaming with pride every minute that went by during that event. It was just uh, smooth transitions, incredible talks. The messages were clear. Uh, as you went from one to the next, you know, you're just kind of digesting uh, what you just heard. And then you're just jumping into this other story immersed. in. I really, you know, I, I, I say this as biased the audience will just have to believe i'm not being biased here you really grand slammed at home and 
and took it away at the end. So I was very proud of you for that. Thank you, Trevor. That means a lot to me and, and quite frankly, couldn't have done it without you. So thank you. Um, yeah, it's so much. I mean, for those in the audience that, you know, whether you're a CEO or a founder, an entrepreneur, or perhaps, you know, you, you love to work the nine to five, everyone's got their own passion that they're called towards. But for those of you in the audience today, I think a uh, takeaway, at least that I would hope that you can walk away with today, among many things from this episode will be the fact that every leader uh, needs another leader to lead them, I believe. And I think that every good coach or mentor or whatever I think that no matter what your role is um, there's never an exemption to having a a coach in your life and I know for myself um, you know for years I had a figure skating coach Sherry she was amazing Uh, you know and now you know into late latter years of my life I have you know coaches that focus on certain areas of my life whether it's business or more on the you know more on the personal side, whatever it is. I'm so grateful for people like that. I know for yourself, Trevor, um, very grateful for you. Um, and I know for your teams and, and everyone that you lead day to day, I know that they're thankful for you as well, because I mean, there's so much that happens from the small details to the large big picture, as Trevor was saying, painting it all together as an artist would, that no matter how skilled you are, it's always nice to have someone else to turn to, to say, uh, whether it's a board of directors, whatever it is, that just, you know, guides you and, and allows you to become the best self that you're meant to be because I don't think we're ever going to see our path as clear as someone else with a bird's eye view can see it um so I definitely I just wanted to highlight that Trevor I'm very grateful for the insight and impact that you've had in my life in that respect so thank you um, the next question I have for you is um what's your favorite book and why because I find that there's a a lot of guests when they come onto a podcast that tends to be a question that really um, allows the audience to get to know them better because I think what books we read definitely uh, showcase a little bit about you know our interests and what makes us us. Um, oh, that's a, that's also going to be a tough one. It's when you read when you're like in the middle of new books because I read um, probably I'd say at least two books a month, and when we were doing seventy five hard, that was like four or five. Yeah. But I do it. I, I do it recently through audiobook. Just it's just so much more efficient. Yeah. But if I could actually go back to your previous statement, because there's something I wanted to attach onto that, because I thought that was so profound. I love that because I was just saying the same thing to my teams, and I was actually authoring the competencies for the company recently, and we were just finalizing the final draft of you know the kind of to be list, the attitude to show up to work with. And the very first thing we say is to be coachable and remain coachable through your entire career, whether you're you're, you're coming in from the ground floor all the way up to CEO. To stay and be coachable is one of our like covenant commandments in the company. And I love that because I myself follow the same thing. I have a coach. I I would always, always go to a coach or find a regular way to be around coaches. Um, just because I am a coach, uh, I, I think I, I'm a more effective because I continue to have one. Yes. And just to finish that off, like, uh, just to throw another quote in there. There's an old Japanese uh, phrase called the Shoshin mindset, which means the beginner's mindset is always act like it's day one. And if you can think that way and remember what it was like to do what you're doing for the very first time, you will remain as infinitely open as possible to more ideas, more perspectives and more ways to do things. So always try to live by that. So I just wanted to attach that on because I love what you just said there. Amazing. I so appreciate you sharing that, Trevor. Um, I know I've said, I recognize I'm like, I've said the word amazing a lot on this episode, but there's just so much that you're saying that I'm like, yes, I totally agree. Um, yeah, it's a good point. Um, and I think too, 
I mean, maybe I'll ask you this, Trevor. Do you, like, what has your experience been as a coach? Like, like not so much as a coach, but I guess two parts. As a coach, but also um, I'm sure you've had coaches along the way in your life. So what's that experience been like for you on the receiving end? I, I love it. There's always, if there's a door that is open to what is possible and you really believe you can do it thanks to how a coach articulated it, there's no better feeling because you find yourself kind of dreaming about it for the rest of that day and that night. Like, wow, I can really make this happen. And I think it takes a gifted person that can see you for who you are and you for who you could be and articulate both of those in such a way that when you hear it, you, you believe them Mm -hmm. and you think, gosh, you're freaking right. I can do this. And you know, like I said in the beginning, that, that chemistry has to be there. Otherwise, it's really hard to hear and, and actually uh, take in the information from someone if they're not speaking in a way that speaks to you. Absolutely. Hmm. Very true. So good. Just had to take a moment to digest that. That's, that's really good, Trevor. Okay, I have another question for you. So, I mean, just from our kind of the stuff that we've talked about in our sessions as an example, um, there's a couple of things that I actually got to share in the Amante talks and, and my speech at that event um, and kind of a little bit about my childhood and Trevor and I actually kind of had a moment where we were like, oh, we both had a similar, um, some similar experiences with say like bullying or different things like that. And I thought maybe if you wanted to touch on that, Trevor, I find it really interesting hearing about those experiences, um, you know, looking back on, on childhoods, because I think, I mean, if people were to look at you today, you're very strong, very well-spoken. Um, there would never be an ounce of, an, of a even an inkling that perhaps that, you know, that was even a part of your, you know, growth experience. A lot of people say the same thing for me. They're like, oh, I didn't know that that was even part of your journey. Um, But I know that for myself, it's shaped me to be the entrepreneur I am, uh, shaped me to have the the strong determination I have. So I'm kind of curious how that's translated for you all these years later. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it truly has shaped um, who I am as a person. Uh, When I think back to, not just the bullying, but just the general feeling that someone is asserting dominance and control over you. And it's, it's so disempowering and, and, and intimidating. It can be scary from all the way back to, you know, childhood years um, on the school ground to even in high school. Like I can, I can vividly remember my first day at Chilliwack Senior, well, no, sorry, it wasn't my first day. So maybe it's not as vivid as I think. It was within that first week, let's say. Walking through the halls downstairs, um, and suddenly I just got shoved so hard into a concrete wall, and it was the corner, so it was like my eye socket like hit the corner of oh this gosh. wall. And yeah, it, it, it was embarrassing. It was shocking. I'm, you know, people are laughing while I'm picking up stuff. You know, you're very classic bully scene. Huh. But a collection of things like that, they definitely shaped who I am today. And I, I don't know when it happened, Francesca, but I think there was just a a transition in life where I, I decided my voice can be heard and my presence can be felt. And if I ever see the same thing again, I've always been a, you know, it's someone who stands up for people like that. You know, national bullying day is probably one of my most, um, uh, what's the word causes I'm most passionate about. You know, I'm always in that picture and I try not to miss that day. I love, love the idea behind that. And I've always taught my children growing up through school to speak up, ask a lot of questions, be curious, and not necessarily just to stand up for themselves or hit back, but but to just have a voice. And 
never never lose it and sometimes an experience like that can just stifle that voice for just enough years where you you miss out on a lot so now they're really loud and they ask a lot of questions amazing (laughs) well it's just so interesting trevor because i think that it's a really good takeaway for the audience members because i mean i'm sure there's quite a percentage out there that will be like oh yeah me too i've been through that or you know in various aspects but um, it definitely, it shapes you. And there's just a day where that shifts and you're like, like you said that your voice matters and all of a sudden, no, I'm not going to tolerate this. I think that on a, you know, a certain sense, maybe even from on my personal journey, I don't know if this will translate, but the best way I can describe it, it's almost like an energetic moment. That's something that shifts energetically where it's like your energy to other people around you is like, I will not tolerate that. I will not you know, tolerate this, this, and this, or being disrespected in general. Um, I definitely saw that for myself in, in my own life, whether it was in the industry or just certain people that I was working for at the time before I decided to have my own company. But I started to notice, I was like, okay, you know, the second I shifted and I was like, okay, you cannot disrespect me the way that you are. And all of a sudden that just, it didn't happen. And if it ever did slide just a touch, I knew that it was typically a reflection of how I was feeling about myself in that particular moment of why there was even an opening in my energy field for that to even happen. So once I kind of, you know, corrected that and, you know, you remember who you are and not that it's like we're anyone on a pedestal, but just remember that, you know, we don't deserve to be treated a certain way or whatever it is. Maybe just stepping into that worthiness and confidence that, you know, those things just start to fade away over time. So I don't know if that resonates with you, but that's definitely something that I felt at a certain point. In my it definitely time. does. It, yeah, it, yeah I, I, I can relate to that exact feeling of, and I think what happens is, the more you define who you want to be and the more sure you are that you can be something bigger, greater, and better, mm-hmm. the more boundaries kind of naturally set themselves because that bigger, better, greater version of yourself has those boundaries. So you start to naturally form them and you go, well, if I'm going to go on this journey, I can't put up with X, Y, Z, and ABC. So that I, I love I love what you're saying. It resonates very much with me because I remember feeling the same thing. Like, well, wait a second. If I'm going to do this, then I can't put up with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that, that's powerful, Trevor. I agree. Um, now, with, what else would you want to share on that point? I mean, because there, I feel like there's so much more that you that is to you, Trevor. I feel like I'm like, I want to know more. Because, um, I mean, I know that this hasn't been... Um, yeah, like, I mean, what other moments in your life have kind of shaped you to be where you are today? Because you're very driven. There's not really much that you can't do. You've, you know, you've conquered so much already. And I can assume this is just kind of... You're only getting started. So... Um, yeah, what kind of instilled a lot of that, uh, I would say, maybe drive in you over the years? Well, I, I think um, it was funny. I, I hate it when I start a sentence with, I think. <laughs> I know and I'm confident that a lot of what got me here was to do with my my love for communication. I tried to dissect what is coaching and what is leadership, what makes them stand out. I've listened to people that have had, you know, doctorates, multiple master's degrees and went to sleep listening to their long, boring PowerPoints. Not to say that they all are. I'm not blanket statementing here. But then I would listen to a guy who just loved people, who was from the trenches, worked his way up the company and was just so engaging, so passionate, so powerful mm-hmm. and just, just such a wide array of influencers. I tried to figure out what is the one thing that the great ones have in common? Hmm. And, you know, I think, I think of great leaders like Barack Obama and Tony Robbins, and it is this 
incredible ability to move people through strong communication. So then that became the obsession with communication. And it's influenced my parenting, it's influenced my leadership, it's influenced my conversations, um, everything. It's like this ultimate enhancer of anything that you do. Whether you're gonna coach, lead, manage, run your business, if you get better at communication and make a habit out of it, catching yourself, um, making sure that, just like the communication, like a, a good diet, watch what's going in to understand what's going out. Mm -hmm. um, you really, really have to be around good communication in order to be a good communicator and a good listener. I mean, and I could go on about that for all night. <laughs> no, no kidding. I know that's, your, that's something you're so passionate about. And do you want to share a bit with us about what your TED Talks about, Trevor? What Obviously, this is one of the key factors that inspired you to write the talk about what you did. But um, yeah, I would love if you want to share a little bit of a tidbit on that because I think it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it, it really extrapolates on what I was uh, actually just talking about. So thanks for the segue. It's, um, it's what I call the leadership signal in my journey and trying to figure out why leaders stood out, especially in today's world where it's just so noisy. You got devices beeping, social media of like 10 different accounts calling your name at all times, multiple screens all over the place, your fridge is beeping at you, your garage is beeping at you, your home security system is beeping at you. We, it's just such a noisy world. I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can a leader and a strong communicator still be successful in this noisy world? And mm. it really went back to some of the, the primal roots of communication and just bringing them back. So. Mm. I love that. And what year did you put that out, Trevor? 2016. So. Okay. Yeah, five years ago. Wow, the time flies, hey? Six years ago, my gosh. Oh, oh my, my gosh. goodness. That is crazy. <laughs> I mean, and are you, is it is it in the works to want to do another one? What is your kind of like your, your thoughts or goals around that? I've just been enjoying helping other people build theirs. Um, I definitely have part two or round two or version two, I should say. Because <laughs> I, I learned a lot in the process. I mean, as many years as I have been speaking, doing events, um, I was nervous as hell doing that <laughs> TED Talk. I'm like, this is it. This is the stage. So I would love a redo. And I would probably update. I mean, I know I would update my material. I've certainly researched a lot more since then. And I think this will be the uh, the core of a book I'll eventually write for sure. The Leadership Signal. Amazing. Oh, that that's so fantastic that that would segue into a book and... I can't wait to, to read it one day. I have no doubt that that'll be in the works sooner than we know it. But uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. And I know that it's been such a, for my personal self, uh, such an honor to get to, you know, hear your advice and, and how you look at things and how you kind of strategize, you know, getting, you know, kind of how to structure it from like the talk to the book to the, you know, and all the different things that kind of pair with that. Um, has been inspiring for me to observe and, and enjoy alongside of you. So I appreciate that, Trevor. Now, um, I kind of want to open the floor up to you, Trevor, of what else you would like to share with the audience, because I feel like there's so many gems and, and just certain things that you probably, you know, would love to share. So I'd love to kind of leave that to you. If Sure. Yeah, I, I, I almost dodged a question there. You asked about... Uh my favorite book. And I'm, I've actually in the back of my mind, I've 
it's like I allocated 10% to still wrestle with that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it would have, I, I try to think what's the one I go back to the most. And oddly enough, I would have to say it's either the talent code by Dan Coyle or predictably irrational by uh, Dan Ariely. Two Dan's. How about that? Amazing. Okay. So Dan and Dan. And may you restate the, uh, the names again, Trevor? Yeah. The talent code and predictably irrational. Okay. So, Cause I'm going to put them in the show notes for anyone that wants to, irrational. anyone who wants to look those books up and, uh, yeah, and get an idea of what uh, some of your favorite reads are. Because I think it just says so much about a person. Um, and I always love when, you know, you, you meet certain people and, you know, in the midst of, I'm sure you have these moments, Trevor, when you go to your big conferences. But I've noticed in the past where, you know, I go to different conferences for, you know, certain companies. And I'd ask someone, I'm like, what is your favorite book right now? They're like, oh, no, I don't like to read. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like, <laughs> so it's it's so funny just seeing it tells you so much about someone. And then instantly you're like, okay, well, then what do you enjoy doing? And usually there's a really neat passion that's kind of attached to it. And you're like, oh, cool. Um, but it usually just says so much about, yeah, what the person's interests are right now. And often whatever we're reading at the moment is typically what we need the most. Um, or like the books that you suggest me to read and I have hesitation to read because I know that <laughs> they're going to impact me more than anything. So, oh, yes. Yeah. I know I've, I've heard that before, too, from so many people. I just don't read. And, yeah. man, I got to say, like, if that's a mindset that you've adopted, just just fight it. Like, undo it. There, there really should be no such thing. I think reading is a collection of our greatest thinkers since the dawn of time. And if it's something to do with the visual, like, flipping of the pages, get audiobook. Get, or, or get, um, I forget what the app's called, but it's like it condenses it, like, to a Coles Notes version. Mm. But don't allow yourself to, like, cement this, like, I just don't read mindset. It's just, it's honestly robbing yourself, and it pains me to hear people say that. Absolutely, because I think even an audiobook is just there's just so much value in it, um, and the fact that we even have that option. And I know that there is an app as well that you can essentially take a photo within the app of the book that you currently have in front of you, and then it'll or our textbook or whatever, and it'll actually read it all out to you for for those that uh, you know probably you know perhaps just don't obviously enjoy reading or don't have their eyesight intact or whatever. Um, so it's neat that we even have the technology to do these things. So definitely agree with you, Trevor. Huge. Um, so I guess what I want to share, I mean, there's going to, I would love to have Trevor on for another episode in the future, kind of tap in a little bit more. This is obviously a little bit of our pilot episode to, um, to Trevor and a little bit about him, but, um, Trevor, I'd love to ask you like in, on your journey, what have been some of the most defining moments for you? It could be obviously like a, a you know, mountaintop high moment or perhaps one of those, not necessarily rock bottom moments, but I know for myself, I've had those moments where you really feel like there's a, you're on the precipice of a catalyst that's going to change the trajectory of your life in, in whatever sense. Have you had one of those moments that you look back on and you say, like, if I hadn't had that moment, I just wouldn't be where I am today? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was actually reading uh, Dr. Phil's book, Self Matters. It asks that question. You have to think of between the like different age groups, what are your milestone moments, the ones that really defined or changed you? And I think I shared one earlier on the – I see, there I go. I said I think. I know I shared one earlier. Um, the bullying story, as bad as that was, mm-hmm. it was a defining moment. And there's so many other uh, others, I would say, in my leadership journey um, that changed me. 
One, I think, was probably the birth of my public speaking was I was a very young uh, manager at Walmart. That's what it was. Yes, Walmart. Oh, wow. Young department manager running the pets, um, the pet department. So my entry into management. And one day, an assistant manager at Walmart came up to me and said, um, we're doing this hiring fair, and I would like you to speak to the next intake. It's about 40 people. It's going to be great for your leadership experience. And it's funny because I said, sure, I guess. Oh, wow. And it, took a piece of, it was very clear what to do. Like, just take the piece of paper and read from it out loud to the group and direct them into the next room. And I still to this day don't remember the moment. Like it was like I blacked out. I was so scared. I was sweating. I was shaking. I couldn't even read the piece of paper in my hand. It was shaking so much. And afterwards, the people were just kind of walking every which way. Like I, I had no idea what I was saying either. So I think that was like that little click in my head. Like, okay, I need to get good at public speaking. So I joined Toastmasters and a whole bunch of other things way back then. And that was, that was kind of like the birth of like, okay, dude, you better, if you want to keep doing this, you better get good at this. Amazing. That's so interesting, Trevor, that that's how it, like, I had no idea. What an interesting moment. And it's funny how when people say, you know, there's no way I could public speak or there's no way I could do this. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, the book that the mountain is you. We're the only ones stopping ourselves from doing anything. Right. Oh, yeah, I was terrified. And if you talk to any childhood friend I had before the age of 19, they would tell you that I was I barely ever spoke, very shy, stay in the background. I just kind of doodled in the corner of the classroom. And yeah, I, I decided same with um, going to the gym. I am I'm not going to be this way. I can be whatever I want to be. And I'm going to change it. I'm not going to be the skinny guy with the big head or the artist with a little tiny voice. Nobody hears. Hmm. And those were changes i very consciously and passionately decided to change. But the great thing is it's okay to be both and, and just exist as everybody that you want to be. Huh. Yeah, that's good, Trevor. I mean, there's so many things that I look back on now or just observe in other people's lives. Like even um, we have a friend who, you know, was never really into running or anything like that. And I think a long time ago was actually quite overweight um, for his stature and, um, he now has run, I think, three Ironmans, and he just decided one day that he was going to change that, and he worked hard on it and was consistent, and, you know, like they always say, motivation isn't going to come every day, but consistency and discipline will. So if you have those habits and you stick to those habits and, you know, you allow the discipline to kind of push in there when you don't feel like it, like just about anything's possible, and I mean, I, I watch this friend of ours and I think to myself how are you able to do this like it's just phenomenal and he has a wife and kids he's busy he could make every excuse in the book with his you know huge company and everything that he does that there's no time but he just makes the time and it's so inspiring so I think the fact that you know it's a testament to what what dedication and determination you have Trevor because I look at your life and you're busy you have your children you have you know so much you know, like wonderful, you know, career aspirations and things that you do every day with that, but you also have a family life and yet you still make time to do all of this. And to think that that's where you started in the public speaking <laughs> spectrum of things. And now the fact that you get to help aspiring speakers, um, I think is just a, it's really fantastic and a testament to your, to your drive. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and even as just in sharing that, I think of some of the people that have inspired me over time. And the key message here is just that it's never too late to start. And you're never stuck a certain way. And 
And I really believe that's what gets in people's way is they start to believe little mantras in their heads. Like, I guess this is just the way that I am or they really prescribe so strongly to nature versus nurture that they get stuck in this programmed way. But you can change anything at any time. I'm not talking about like, I can't suddenly have seven fingers on one hand, of course, but habits, mindsets, beliefs about yourself. Like it's, it's, um, I remember my mom is a great example, being a stay at home mom in her late thirties and deciding, you know what, this isn't what I wanted to do with myself. Mm -hmm. I have a great mind. I'm not using it. I want to use it. And I feel that pull of being something bigger and greater and, you know, put herself through her, you know, in in her late thirties, her, her degree and then her master's degree, um, working high up in the school district, uh, always inspired me that at any moment you can change and be who you want to be. You're never stuck. No. Hmm. And I know I, from, I think from our, some of our conversations, Trevor, I know how much you uh, respect, honor and, and love your mom and really look up to her. So I know that she's had a really big part in your journey, if I'm correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's neat to see, you know, those ones that inspire us, my my folks as well. So grateful for what they've instilled in me um, up until now in my life. So um, and then I guess my one of my last questions for you, Trevor, was um, in the midst of like day to day work. Right. I mean, the, the company that you work for um, and, you know, all the different operations that you do day to day. What do you find? Because obviously you are doing a lot of to an extent, like, you know, um, how do I describe it? mentorship like that all comes with the leadership aspect of things what do you find is the biggest conversation these days do you think that it's often you know the conversation about communication does that seem to be what a main focus is or do you find that it's in a different area I'd be curious to know I think the common pattern of conversations a lot of leaders are having these days is about culture Mm -hmm. Uh, how to keep people engaged productive enjoying their work I do find that this generation, the previous generation, and rubbing off on even older generations have really begun to value their experience every single day. And when I say experience, it's like, what am I experiencing when I go to the store, when I go here, when I go there? Because let's face it, we were locked up for like two years and we were deprived of a lot of real world experiences. It's like we woke up, we went out there to this physical world and we're demanding more of our own experiences. So that's kind of permeated into corporate culture where leaders have to be much more aware of what sort of experience am I providing for my employees, uh, for everyone that works in the company, which has led to a lot of like leadership changes and, and, and the way that like we, well, write leadership literature. Mm-hmm. So evolving. And I think, it's, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that we've woken up and demanded more from our experience it, it demands more from today's leaders and studies show that leaders that already figured this out before COVID had a, had almost a minimal impact on their culture, even through COVID. However, leaders that didn't figure out this were exposed and lost a ton of people. And as it, you can probably see in the news, the newspapers, we're still in this major crunch right now where it's so hard to find good people mm-hmm. or people that just want to work. It's, it's a huge struggle that every industry is going through right now. But they will go work for companies where the experience is great and the leaders are amazing. <laughs> so true. And it's interesting too, Trevor, because for my own personal journey, I had worked with um, a team very, very briefly. And then after that, I was with 
um, the company of Lululemon um, at a, for a certain portion of time when I was studying for my exam. And I remember there was such a contrast. I think some people just don't really think twice about, you know, how do you mentor a team? How do you lead a team, right? Because for most of us, it's new. It's a new concept, right? So when I stepped into Lululemon's atmosphere and culture is a huge one for them, I was just like, is this even a thing? Like, how is it that culture is this high on their priority list? The way that they prioritize, you know, communication, just team values and just like all of these team exercises. I was completely blown away. And if there's anything I know, I was with that company for those eight months um, until I gave my notice and I took my real, real estate exam. I remember looking back and I'm like, I was meant to be on that team to learn how to lead a team with, you know, obviously good ethics and morals, but more to that, just the culture was so like, I never forgot the feeling you step in and you feel like you're, you're a family, you're a part of a family. Um, and I actually have a friend who's a TEDx speaker in the States. And before COVID, he had a team of eight or nine, um, on his communication company. And what's interesting is that, you know, when caught up with them about a month ago, and it's been almost a year since I've spoken with them, I said, you know, how's the growth of your team? Well, they've almost doubled in size since COVID. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's insane. But they treat their people so well. And they are like, like you said, so big on communication and culture that, they don't want to work anywhere else. And I just think that's such a testament to to true leadership, right? So um, yeah, I'm really glad that you said that, Trevor. I think that there's like a whole other conversation that can be had just on that one aspect because it is, uh, I think there's so much that we don't even, we kind of take for granted or we think that is so, it's so complicated, but it's really just so easy, right? Like it's the simple things that make culture in a, in a workplace flow. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Well, I think one big misnomer is that everyone was kind of caught off guard with or caught with their pants down, per se, is it's not just about a paycheck. And people have said that for years. Um, People leave bad leaders, not bad companies. And, you know, you say things like that in corporate culture and you think, yeah, but is that really true? Because it seems like they chase money. But lo and behold, even some of the highest paying companies lost a lot of people. So it's never really been about the paycheck. It's it's been about the experience. Of course, we need to pay our bills. Of course, we need to put food on the table. But most people, um, especially those who are very aware of their own values, will ensure that their values match the company they work for and they're receiving fair compensation in return. And as long as that lines up, they're happy. Absolutely. And companies are, are figuring that out now. <laughs> Well, and I think, too, we forget that, I mean, even if it's just a simple, like, calling the person and saying, hey, by the way, thank you to exceptional work today, or I noticed that you really stepped it up in this area, thank you. I mean, it's mostly a lot of free aspects that are, that have the most weight, at least maybe for me on the receiving end when I was in those roles, Um, and when I was an assistant years ago, um, there was one particular realtor that I worked for that did phenomenal at that. I was with them for almost two years, and it was even, you know, when I was going through a transitional time in my life, you know, there would be, they would go to the wildflower shop and pick up a little bundle of flowers and it would be on my desk with a little sticky note of a little thank you. Thanks for staying an extra five hours yesterday. We worked a lot together and it's just like that meant more to me than anything. So I think that, I think sometimes we complicate it. <laughs> we think that there's so much more to it, but really it's just that mutual respect and kindness, right? Absolutely. And no one does that better than you. I've seen some examples of how you do that, like even just in your day to day. And no wonder, I feel like your central force is gratitude. But everything you just said is so true. Even a little post-it note, just a little like, hey, I saw this. I appreciate it. It meant a lot to me. And just that specific little thank you, like 10 seconds, five cents. 
And you just made that person say, I've sent texts directly to, you know, people across the other side of the country, like, hey, I saw this result, just want to tell you, really appreciate it. And then I find out like a year later, they saved it in a file somewhere because it was so special to them. And here's me thinking like, hey, I'm just shooting out a a little message, but it meant so much to them. Hmm. See, like, it's so interesting. I mean, even for myself, I still have the couple sticky notes that Nicholas had given to me when I worked in his office. And why would I get rid of them? I think they're in a, I literally, I think I stuck them into my folder that has like pretty much like the memories or cards from that year and, and still have them all and appreciate them greatly. Right. I mean, it's, it reminds you of, you know, just to keep going. And I think that the second that you, the second that you're able to realize, or for anybody out there that realizes that the more that you can appreciate the people that are around you, that work for you and are valuing your company the way that you value it. Um, like once you appreciate them, they're going to work 10 times harder. Something that that's what we're trying to do within that, but that's just a psychological fact, right? Like the second I feel appreciated in my home and my job or whatever it is, I mean, obviously I'm going to show up even better because I feel like it's not falling on deaf ears or you actually feel seen, right? So it's amazing that you get to be part of that every day, Trevor, and, you know, make those, those little, plant those little seeds and make that impact in probably bigger ways than you ever would anticipate. I did the same thing too. I've kept cards. I've kept emails over the years from leaders I admire, respect, and just people in general when it's just a meaningful, thoughtful thing. One I'll never forget is when a manager that worked for me, a young manager at the time, I didn't even know, like he just had had lost his way and -hmm. very close to his mother. So imagine this, a, a grown man's mother sends me a card in an envelope with like two full pages thanking me for helping her son find direction in his life. Wow. And I'm like, I was just, just being his boss. I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. He's so focused now. Wow. But, and I'm not trying to say that as an accolade, but it's something I will never forget and just made my year when I got that card. Like it just made me feel like the thing that I was doing day to day suddenly mattered 10 times more than it did the day before. Uh, I I absolutely, I think that's phenomenal, Trevor, because I feel like, I mean, you think about it, we go to a grocery store and we get back to service. It's so easy for us or wherever we are, whether we're at a restaurant or whatever people want to complain about. It's so easy for us to, I mean, I'm not necessarily a complainer. I've complained like maybe three times in my entire life. And if it was something that maybe had a little bit more impact than just, you know, the average bad service, usually that I just chalk it up to someone's having a bad day. However, think about how many times we leave somewhere and go, oh my gosh, they were so kind. And oftentimes we don't even think to reward that behavior because we smile about it. It makes our day and we carry on. We don't even feel the need to acknowledge it. So I think the fact that there are people out there like this person's, um, you know, they're, they're folks that reached out to you that, that way. I just think that We need more of that in this life because I think that there's probably about a thousand cards you probably would have received um, to date now with all the people that you probably impacted. But oftentimes it just kind of gets stored in their memory, in their hearts, and they probably think about it a lot. But probably some people just don't think to actually express that. So I think the people that do, I thank them for that. I think we need more of that in this life because um, I think we forget what kind of impact that makes. And uh, yeah, that's pretty cool, Trevor. Well done. Yeah, and I think, you know, we do get a little signal sometimes, probably hundreds of times a day, where we acknowledge for a moment, somebody just did something nice for me, and I feel compelled to thank them, but we just move on. It's like a fleeting moment. Yes. And how much better would the world be if we stopped at every one of those and acted on it? 
whether it's your kid, your boss, you know, the person that helps you at the grocery store or Starbucks and just said, hey, great job today. I appreciate it. Hmm. Read their name tag out loud or whatever. Like it, it, it would take if you did it 10 times in a day, it would take what a whole minute, a minute of your day. If everyone did that. Absolutely. Like you got to start a movement on this. We'll call it the gratitude project. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go, Francesca, tying it all together. But it's so true. Um, now, before we ask the final question to Trevor, because I recognize we're coming up on the hour for the episode, I just want to share this little note here, and then I'll ask Trevor one of our closing questions. Um, it's like we're going to sell you a car, Trevor. We're like, here's your closing questions. Do you love the car? Do you feel safe in the car? <laughs> Do you want to buy the car? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, um, the story I wanted to share, and for those of you in the audience that have perhaps watched this movie, I know I've talked to Trevor about this before. Um, this particular movie is called About Time. It came out probably in about the year of 2014, 2015. Um, it has Rachel McAdams, I believe, in there from The Notebook, if anyone rem- remembers, um, if I'm quoting the particular right ad- actress, I believe. Anyhow, but this particular movie it was on the premise of that life is really precious, that the boy's dad has the ability to go back in time. He teaches the son right before he um, is entering a phase in his life where he's no longer going to be alive, that he can, that his son has the ability to go back in time and relive a day. Um, And he kind of asks his dad, like, well, what's the purpose of this? And essentially, you'll have to watch the movie. But by the end of the movie, what they're trying to get at is that um, what he was doing was he would live his day with all of the the bumps and all the stressors in it. But then he would go back and he would relive it. But he would enjoy every little precious moment. So smiling at the barista, asking her how her day was, thanking her for her coffee, um, you know, admiring the sky, noticing the dew on the leaves or, leaves or whatever it is, noticing the little moments. And he noticed that over time, as he started going back in to relive that day a second time, that there was so much that he missed the first time that would have made his day so much more pleasurable if he was just, you know... Even though, yes, there's stressors, you know, in the movie, they certain people in their, in their family passed away. None of those days are easy, but there's always some kind of little light in the midst of a day that, that we can appreciate and take gratitude on. So, or gratitude for, I should say. So um, what I loved about it is that by the end, he says, what I finally learned is that I don't need to go back in time and relive the days anymore. I just simply every single day try to take take advantage of every little moment that I can be grateful for. And, and it changed the whole you know, trajectory of his life. Um, and I think that obviously it stems into what you're saying, Trevor, and, and what we're maybe just, you know, sharing with the audience that, you know, maybe listening to this is just that listening to this episode today will be your reminder to go into your day and just take gratitude for, um, even if it's just starting with one thing every day that you can be grateful for. Um, and it's funny, I was actually talking to one of my cousins um, yesterday on FaceTime probably for the first time, like this is a cousin that I haven't gotten to connect since I was quite little. Uh, and we were chatting about, you know, how certain people in our Italian family have a certain outlook on life. And she says that there was this, you know, one family member that, you know, very much grew up in the same era as my, my family, like my, my parents and gratitude wasn't something that they practiced. So she lives every day quite negatively. And what happened was is she asked her, you know, like, how are you so happy every day? And, and um, she's like, well, but I'm just grateful for everything that I have. And I, that's how I look at life. And, you know, this family member said to my cousin, like, but I don't know how you do that. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to ask you, what, is the, what are three things that you're grateful for? For me, I can spew those off within seconds because I think about it every day. But it took her so long. She had nothing to say. And then she was like, oh, and she's like, well, you're grateful that you're alive, right? She's like, yeah. You're grateful that you're spending time with your sons and you can come to Vancouver to see them. And this family member in our family was like, yeah. 
by the time she knew it, she had about, you know, our, my cousin kind of prompted her on say five things to be grateful for. And all of a sudden she was smiling and just wasn't in this rut of, of negativity. And it's just so cool that even that example yesterday was such a reminder for me how much like I feel so grateful for the fact that I even have that practice in my life because for some it's so foreign, right? So um, I know that's kind of a bit of a long family story, but I just thought it was so moving. I was like, I, you know, I can't believe I take for granted the fact that I even have those tools, you know, or that we even have those tools, Trevor, because I know you live life the same way. You're so grateful. You appreciate everything every day, right? So crazy. Yeah, I think it's like what we alluded to earlier. You, you hear a concept like this, and you even um, talked about this in your talk. At first, when you hear, when you do this, it will help and change your life. And then the first day you do it, it's like, eh, I don't really feel a change. I don't see myself doing this. This isn't for me. And then you repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And suddenly you realize the power of the tool. It's like the same as the jogger doing that first run. That sucked. I'm out of breath. And I, I just want to go home and go to sleep. The first few suck. Though sometimes they don't make any sense. But then you get that runner's high. Or in this case, that gratitude high. And you suddenly realize, oh, my gosh. Why wasn't I doing this the whole time? I feel fantastic. Yeah. So true. No, thank you, Trevor, for saying that. All right. Well, well, as we conclude um, our podcast episode, my final question I want to ask you, Trevor, for our audience to know is what in your mind makes an effective leader or effective, you know, founder, entrepreneur, in your opinion? Ooh, how to summarize. Well, I'm going to go back to communication again, just to... Um, if I could add any more points onto that, and when, this time when I say communication, if I'm going to add more on to what I've already said, is your ability to communicate your idea, because an entrepreneur or a founder obviously has an idea, and in some cases it's been done before, but maybe not quite the way you intend it, and your ability to articulate that persuasively in a way that just gets people excited is so important. Mm. And Chris Anderson, the founder of TED, in the first, in the prologue of his book, How to Talk Like Ted, says some of the greatest ideas are in the graveyard because people didn't know how to communicate them in a way that got people excited and actually understand what you were trying to say. So learn it. Learn it and love it. Love communication. That's so fantastic. And I love that quote. Oh, it's so good. It's so true. It's probably the wealthiest place in the planet is in the graveyard for all of the lost potential and ideas that never got used so thank you trevor for sharing that and thank you for being on here today um obviously this is trevor's first episode on the amante podcast so i appreciate you just being able to chat about a little bit of everything today and i know that our audience very much values getting to hear your wisdom and insight so thank you trevor and uh yeah continue to share all of your incredible light into this world thanks for having me i really appreciate it thank you trevor Thank you all for joining us yet again for another episode of the Amante Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Amante, and you can follow us just about anywhere on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much any listening platform. We are so excited to join you here for our next episode next week and looking forward to seeing you again soon. Make the world a better place. Cheers.